coming up, Taylor Horton Tucker opted into the final year of his player option, his contract. Um, the Utah Jazz Summer League roster was announced. Five free agency predictions from yours truly and a Utah Jazz free agency primer. This episode of the Swish Lake City podcast is once again brought to you by at Jazz Lead on Twitter, where I am posting daily content, um, daily video content, giving you my breakdowns, talking about all my thoughts. Feel free to follow me there. We have been growing and growing, and I really appreciate all the support there. Um, makes a big difference as I continue to grind, continue to create content, and I really appreciate it. Anyways, Taylor Horton Tucker opted into the last year of his player option he's making around 11 million dollars per year um i think this wasn't too big of a surprise for anybody that's been paying attention taylor horton tucker had a pretty solid season last year pre all-star break he was averaging 7.7 points per game 2.5 rebounds per game 2.9 assists per game solid he had a lot of moments um and was kind of at the end of the rotation played a little bit of point guard a little bit of shooting guard played with sexton played with uh nikhil alexander walker there was kind of a log jam at the guard position back there then the jazz ended up trading nikhil alexander walker and mike conley at the trade deadline and taylor horton tucker was terrific post all-star break post all-star break he averaged 18.2 points per game 5.1 rebounds per game 6.0 assists per game and he was he was touching the ball a lot he posted a 29.9% usage percentage, which means he's he's touching the ball. He's being in the action. He's the one that ends up taking the shot or making the, pit, uh, making the pass 29.9% of the time. He also had some solid shooting splits. Um, I mean, solid by his standards. Before All-Star break, he was shooting 40% from the field and 26% from three. Post All-Star break, he kind of found a little bit of a rhythm. He shot 43% from the field and 32% from three. So slight boosts in both. The thing that I was watching is his turnovers. And he didn't average nearly as many turnovers per per game um, as he has in the past. But it is a problem. And when you're talking about Taylor Horton Tucker being a lead guard, um, being your point guard of the future, because don't don't forget, this guy is, I believe, younger than Ochag Baji, who we just drafted. Like, there's still a lot of untapped potential in Taylor Horton Tucker. The athleticism, the size, um, some of the things he does as a scorer, it's all super intriguing. And I think the Jazz believe in him. I'm intrigued by him deciding to come back to Utah. It's possible that the market is would be pretty dry for him. Um, I mean, I think if you look around the league, I don't really know who's paying $11 million to Taylor Horton Tucker because he does still have some wrinkles in his game. I think he still needs to improve. As far as just knowing his role, um, he kind of plays like a star. 
but it's none of the good things that a star does. You know, it's none of the, I mean, he does have some crazy shots, some crazy dunks, but he just has all the habits of a star as far as like his shot selection. Um, some of the passes he tries to make, some of the turnovers. And while he does all those things like a star, I just don't think he has that same talent, that same level of consistency that's required to be a star in this league. So ultimately, I think THT just kind of has to figure out his role. I think this next year will be a really good opportunity for him to do so as the Jazz look to get more and more competitive. Um, he'll have a full offseason to work with the team. I think that is something to be excited about if you are a Jazz fan. Lots to like about THT opting into the last year of his contract. At the bare minimum, it's it's depth. And depth is super important in the NBA. One of the reasons the Jazz stayed consistent through last season, stayed consistently okay, was because they had depth. And their guys were healthy until basically the end of the season. And we don't really know if that was health or if that was some suspicious losing games. Either way, it's important to have a lot of guys. So let's say THT comes into next year as your 12th, 13th man. He's going to play a lot of minutes, I think, throughout the season. Um one thing I do like about him and his size is I think he can play the one through three. And that's really intriguing. That means he can fill in at a couple different spots. Anyways, THT opts in. Jazz Nation should be feeling pretty okay about that. We'll see how he does this next season. Or, hey, we still got a whole offseason ahead of us. It's possible he's included in a trade. Moving on, the Utah Jazz Summer League roster was announced. Very exciting stuff, guys. I am pumped for Summer League. Looking at the roster, it's a pretty solid roster. Um, you have some okay rookies coming in. Some undrafted guys that have lots of experience in... They have lots of experience in... Um, Man, I'm I'm trailing. I'm I'm blinking. Uh, lots of rookies that have experience in college basketball. Some guys that played for five years, depending on if they were COVID eligible or not. What strikes me out the number thing, number one thing I was looking for when the summer league roster dropped is Ochayek Baji going to be on the roster? And I talked a little bit about this on a podcast earlier this week. Not on the Switch Lake City podcast. I talked with Zach Wace over at the Across the Cavs podcast. And we were talking about Ochag Baji and kind of his trajectory. Here's an example I threw out. Okay, hear me out. Desmond Bain. I know some of you probably just turned this podcast off after I said that. But Desmond Bain came into the NBA had a very similar rookie year to Ochag Baji. Played solid minutes on an okay team. Uh, I averaged like nine points per game. I'm pretty sure he ended up going to the playoffs with the Grizzlies that year. Yep, that's correct. And he was an okay player. In that offseason after his first year, the Grizzlies put him in some interesting situations. First and foremost, they put him in Summer League as the lead ball handler. 
I wonder if Ochai and the Jazz go a similar route. Because the year after, Desmond Bain absolutely exploded. He ended up being like the co-most improved player. Uh, I mean, John Morant won it, but he ended up giving it to Desmond Bain. And Desmond Bain did have an incredible jump from year one to year two. Desmond Bain, similarly to Ochag Baji, played a lot of years at college. Uh, I think he was the same age that at that point that Ochai is right now, which is something that's kind of promising. Bain is probably a lot better of a shooter, if we're being honest. And I think that's kind of the X factor here. But as far as like being able to develop some on-ball skills that could make him a complementary piece to whichever point guard the Jazz have or to Lauren Markkinen and Walker Kessler, I think Summer League is a great opportunity for Ochag Baji to explore that skill set. And I mean, what do you have to really lose by him playing point guard, by him having those reps? So that's going to be the number one thing I'm watching for in Summer League. Is Ochag Baji going to have a lot of on-ball reps where he is the guy initiating the actions, the guy that starts the pick and roll? Um, When you look at the roster, I mean, you don't have like many other better point guards. You got Keontae George, super excited about that. I think he has point guard potential. I don't know if he's there yet. I think I think him and Ochai play a little bit of point guard by committee. Kia Clark out of Virginia. He's 5'10". Um, most recently had that horrific turnover in the NCAA tournament. Now he's playing for the Utah Jazz Summer League team. And hey, he's also a national championship, so... Give him put some respect on his name. But he he's he's an interesting guy because he has some of those playmaking skills that I think would be very complimentary for some of the scorers on this Jazz Summer League roster. I don't think he's gonna be the starter though. So I think you're looking at Ochai and Keontae George running the point guard pipe by, by commission or by committee. And that's really interesting. Because I think both of those guys need on-ball reps. They both need that experience of being the lead playmakers. And putting them in that position in, hey, they'll play three summer league games in Salt Lake against the Grizzlies, Thunder, and 76ers. And then go to Vegas and hopefully get some more reps. We'll see if Ochai Baji is playing by then or if Keontae George is. A lot of times guys will play like the first couple games of summer league and then not play more. We'll probably see that with Victor Wembanyama this year. He'll probably end up playing one or two or three games and then won't play like into the tournament or, or anything else, which is absolutely fine. Okay, so looking at the rest of the roster, I'm just going to kind of list some names. Um, some of the players I'm intrigued by. So you are bringing in the three rookies, Keontae George, Taylor Hendricks, and Bryce Sensabaugh. All of them look like they're good to play. Uh, we'll see if Bryce Sensabaugh ends up playing. From what I understand, he was a little bit hurt, and they did ask him if he was going to play in summer league, and he said he was planning on it. So, I think that's, in that's that's got to be pretty encouraging. Here, here's where it gets interesting though, because the Jazz, because of the situation that the Jazz were in last year, where they were losing games towards the end of the season, they were able able to play some of the guys at the end of their bench, and they were able to even pick up one of these guys. Luka Shamanich. he is going to be playing in Summer League. 
I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him. This will be his third summer league, his third year in the NBA. He's had some up and down years, but what we saw out of him towards the end of the season was very promising. And everything you see at the end of the season has to be taken with a grain of salt. But he showed a lot of playmaking flashes, some solid defense, solid rebounding, um, good finisher around the rim. The shooting does need to be tuned up a little bit. And I think that's a tricky situation because the shooting with Luca and his size, that's the big, that's the big pull. That's why you want him on your roster is because of his shooting at that size and some of the other simple things that he's able to do. If he develops a shooting, then he's a pretty complete NBA player by a lot of standards. Like I think he'd be similar to George's Niang while not quite the shooter. I think their defensive impact, their passing is probably pretty similar and just how they would impact the game. So him being in summer league is super intriguing. I'm very excited to see him, to see what he does. I bet he's going to be either the starting four or the starting five. I wonder if they'll go him and Hendricks at the four and the five, or he could be the starting three. I don't know. That's super interesting. So I'm really excited about him. Some other jazz players that were on the roster last year that will be in summer league are Micah Potter and Johnny Juzang. Johnny Juzang got a lot of run. Uh, Micah Potter didn't get too much. Micah Potter comes in as a good shooter though. And I think he'll offer some solid spacing opportunities. We'll see if the jazz end up bringing, bringing him back on a two way contract. Like they had last year, Johnny Juzang is in a similar situation. I think there's more, more upside with Johnny Juzang though, because he showed a lot of offensive flashes and I mean, I, for one, I, I knew this coming in. He's a dead eye shooter from the mid range. The question is, is he going to be able to stretch that out? And then how is he going to do on defense? Defensively? He's not great. Uh, I think there's still a lot of room to improve, which is fine. But from an offensive perspective, the shooting, there were flashes and that's very promising. I think he's going to be somebody that can make a big impact in summer league. So, kind of reviewing, you got Ochag Bocci, Keontae George. I bet those are your two starters in the backcourt. And then you got Luka Shamanich. I bet he's starting either at your three or at your four. Taylor Hendricks at the four, I would hope. Um, and then I think you go Vernon Carey Jr. at the five. And he was on the Utah Jazz roster at the end of the season last year. I'm not sure if he played any minutes, but he ended up making the summer league team. Kind of an undersized five. We'll see what happens with him. And then looking at the rest of the roster, some of the guys that the Jazz are bringing in to explore, see if they're going to be good players. Colby Ross out of Pepperdine. He's an interesting one because he averaged like 22 points per game in college. I haven't watched him too much, but he's an interesting one. Joey Hauser out of Michigan State. He is the brother of Sam Hauser who plays for the Boston Celtics. Knockdown shooter. He's kind of old. Uh, like, yeah, he was born in 1999. And when you're looking at some of these guys, I mean, most of them are born in the 2000s. So he does come in as one of the older guys in this summer league roster. Kashawn Justice out of Santa Clara. He is a rookie as well. He is also a little bit on the older side. I'm not too, too familiar with him. Ed Croswell out of Providence. I know Chris Dunn is excited about this one because Chris Dunn also went to Providence. But you start to look at the Summer League roster, 
and it's kind of an exciting roster. I mean, obviously the Jazz bringing in three first-round draft picks makes it exciting. But then you go with Ochai Baji, Lucas Shamanich, guys that have shown flashes the last year. Ochai, who is positioning himself to be a starting small forward, starting shooting guard in the NBA. He is definitely somebody to watch. And then you got other guys that have been around, Johnny Juzang, Micah Potter, and some maybe okay rookies, some guys that were solid in college and could project to be okay at the next level. You never know. So Utah Jazz Summer League starts on Monday. I'm imagining most people are listening to this either Thursday or Friday. Starts July 3rd, playing at the Delta Center. Exciting. The first game's played at the Delta Center since it became the Delta Center again. And we start playing off. We start off playing the OKC Thunder, and it looks like they got a pretty good roster. Bringing back Chet Holmgren, which NBA fans should just be excited about. So stay tuned for the 2023 Salt Lake City Summer League. I want to get into free agency a little bit because free agency is going to be interesting this year. And you start to look at like, go to Spotrack, go to one of the websites that tracks all the free agents. It's kind of a weak free agency class. I mean, there's some solid players, but kind of the all-stars in this class are past their prime. You got James Harden. Kyrie Irving, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Draymond Green, Jeremy Grant, D'Angelo Russell, Fred Van Vliet, Harrison Barnes, Kyle Kuzma. I mean, it's an okay class, all things considered. I think if you're a team that's looking to fill in like one gap, if you've got your two stars and you're trying to find that third guy, it's a pretty solid class. So I'm going to make five predictions about this free agency class. And the first prediction is I think the majority of players are going to resign, especially the majority of guys that are at the top. That's kind of more what I'm referring to because I think some of the players that are on the fringes probably are going to explore different situations. But I think James Harden's going to stay in Philly. I know there's been a lot of Houston buzz I just don't see it anymore. Them drafting Amon Thompson and Cam Wetmore shows a youth movement. While I do think they are going to bring in some sort of veteran presences to complement their young players, I don't think James Harden is the answer there. I just think, hey, he's he's a good player. I I think James Harden is a good player. Does he show up in the playoffs all the time? No. But he's a good player. A two-time MVP. One-time MVP, excuse me. If you're James Harden, why on earth are you going back to to Houston? I realize that he's got family there, that it's probably comfortable and comfort on it. Just on a human level, there's a lot of lure to that, right? So he might be thinking, hey, I can just go to Houston, be comfortable, put up 30 a night. But why would he leave a winning situation? We've talked so much about James Harden just in NBA discourse and how he hasn't gotten it done, how he hasn't shown up in the playoffs. Playing alongside Joel Embiid, that's probably the best chance he's going to get from now to the rest of his career. 
So I just think for him, it 100% makes sense to re-sign with Philadelphia, run it back. It sounds like they're prepared to offer him a lot of money, which they probably should because they don't really have any other options. Okay, moving on. Kyrie Irving, I think he's going to stay in Dallas. And I'll talk a little bit more about Kyrie Irving later, but ultimately I just think Dallas gave up so much for him. They want to see a full season and want to see what like an actually built roster around Luka and Kyrie Irving can do. So I wouldn't expect anything to change there. I think they're going to offer him a lot of money, and I think it's going to be pretty hard for him to say no. Also, I don't know where else he would go. You start to look at other teams around the league, and there's not a lot of other teams. I really think it's Dallas. Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez all lump them into one group. I think both of them are returning to Milwaukee. I think Chris Middleton is the more likely of the two to return to Milwaukee, but I do think both have a very strong chance of returning to Milwaukee. Brooke Lopez had a fantastic year last year. Chris Middleton, not so much by his standards. I mean, pretty okay, but I do think a healthy Chris Middleton does change the Bucks outlook last year as far as where they finished in the playoffs. So I would expect Chris Middleton to re-sign, get some money, get some long-term money, be the Batman to Giannis's or be the Robin to Giannis's Batman and run it back. Rick Lopez, on the other hand, I do think that is something to watch. Uh, he's won his championship. And I think you could say the same thing about Chris Middleton. Like if a team offers Chris Middleton more than what Milwaukee offers, does he just go? He's won his championship. Uh, there's that's a fair argument. Like you don't, you can just go chase money now. Go to Indiana. Go to Detroit or somewhere. Although Chris Middleton going to Detroit after all these years would be kind of funny. Anyways, I just I don't I don't see that happening for Chris Middleton. But Brooke Lopez, he could go somewhere. He could choose to go live the lavish life in L.A. Let's say the Lakers offer him something. Or let's say a team like OKC that could desperately use a big of Brooke Lopez's quality. Let's say they offer him. Does he just go? Does he just embrace the youth movement, have like a nice finish, sail into the sunset to finish off his career? I think it's possible. But I, I do just see him returning to Milwaukee. There's got to be a sour taste left in your mouth that you want to fix. Being the number one seed and losing in, was it five or six games to the Miami Heat, who ended up going to the finals, so give them some flowers. But still, if you're Milwaukee, there's just got to be a bad taste in your mouth, and I think that extends to Brooke Lopez. So I would expect Brooke Lopez to re-sign with the Milwaukee Bucks. Also, if you're Milwaukee, you kind of don't have any other options. You sure as heck play Bobby Portis. I think Bobby Portis is a starting quality player. Shout out to Crazy Eyes Bobby P., who is going to be on the Team USA roster this year. I think he's a good player. But having him as your sixth man is just, that's a, that's a luxury. And if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you want to retain that luxury while also bringing a guy that was in the top three discussion for Defensive Player of the Year all year last year and who for a lot of the year was leading that discussion. So I do think he will be back. It just makes sense. D'Angelo Russell, that's an interesting one. Um, looking at the market for D'Angelo Russell, what other team would want him? 
does Brooklyn bring him back? That that could be an interesting one, though I don't see it happening. And but he was an All Star in Brooklyn. Don't forget. So maybe maybe there's something there. Uh, I do think the Lakers end up bringing him back. I just don't know if they have any other choice. And so that probably they probably bring him back. Okay, last two, Draymond Green. I think he ends up back in Golden State. It just makes sense now, especially with them bringing in Chris Paul. They're they're not closing the window. There was talk of them like, hey, we're going to trade some of the young guys and try to keep the window open. And they did that. They traded away Jordan Poole. They traded away James Wiseman at the trade deadline. They've added players um, that will help them win games in Chris Paul and Gary Payton second. And so... Yeah, I think it, it it was a good it's a good bet that Draymond Green is going to be back on the Warriors. Jeremy Grant, I man, the Portland situation so messy. I feel bad for Portland fans, anybody that's following that that has some sort of emotional attachment to that situation. Super messy. I think Jeremy Grant is going to resign in Portland. It makes a lot of sense for him. I think he's going to get a lot of money there. He also had a really good season there. Uh, while he was healthy. And as long as Damian Lillard is wanting to put a quote-unquote contender, by contender I mean contender for the eight seed, around him, then Jeremy Grant would be a very complimentary piece. Like I said, he played really good last year for them. So I imagine Jeremy Grant sticks around. I do wonder... Let me. This This will bring me to my second free agency prediction. I do wonder if the Sacramento Kings throw a lot of money at Jeremy Grant and try to get him down there. So this is my second prediction. The Sacramento Kings are going to splurge in free agency. And this isn't that hot of a take. I think it's just the reality of the situation. They were able to clear up some a lot of cap space on draft night. And it opened up essentially like 30 to $40 million of cap space. And then you kind of start to look at what their team needs and some of the free agents. And I think there's some guys out there that would really fit their team. Jeremy Grant being one of them. Somebody that can play defense on the perimeter, that can give him a little bit of size, a little bit of rebounding. While he's not a great rebounder, he can help with that. Um, And then somebody that shoots, that spreads the floor, that lets Sabonis operate in the middle. Jeremy Grant would be a no-brainer. I think that would be a really good pick signing for the Sacramento Kings. We'll see if that ends up happening. Some other names that have been thrown around there, Kyle Kuzma. It looks like Kyle Kuzma is kind of looking for money in that $30 million range. And so I think he would be a good pick for the Sacramento Kings if that's the way they choose to go. Uh, I'm high on Kyle Kuzma. I think he has a lot of attributes that just make him a very versatile player. He's pass. He He's a good passer. He's a pretty good shooter, honestly. Um, and he just does, he does a lot. He does a lot. I think that's what jumps out from Kyle Kuzma. Just really high motor, does a lot, does a lot of different things in different as- aspects of the game. I really like his rebounding. I think he's a really good rebounder. And I think putting a guy like that around Sabonis, given some of their playoff struggles last year, would make a lot of sense. So I would not be surprised to see Kyle Kuzma go back to California Uh, go play for the Sacramento Kings. The last one here on the Sacramento Kings, and it's possible that none of these guys go there and they end up 
getting somebody entirely different and thought about. And that's Draymond Green. Um, I think he makes sense on some level. I just don't see it happening. It's kind of like how Kobe stayed in LA all those years and never left and ended up getting paid even though they were really bad. I, I kind of think the same thing is going to happen with Draymond Green, with Klay Thompson, with Steph Curry. I just think for Golden State, for their fans, it's going to be so hard to get rid of them and separate them from the franchise. So I would expect Draymond Green to stay around in Golden State. Okay, my third free agency prediction. This one might be a little bit on the hotter side, but it's probably not too hot. I feel like it's been talked about a fair amount. Dylan Brooks to the Houston Rockets. I think it's pretty clear that Memphis isn't planning on bringing Dylan Brooks back. It sounds like they made that clear as soon as the postseason ended for them. And if you're Houston, right now you're in a position where you have talent. What you need to start doing is start building habits that win, start fighting on a night-to-night basis. I think they did a good job of bringing in Ime Odoka, who I think is going to get those players to play hard, to defend, to have some sort of defensive identity, which they haven't had for the last couple of years, to have some sort of structure there, which they also haven't had for the last couple of years. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to bring in Dylan Brooks, a guy that has played in the playoffs, that prizes himself on defense, and that is going to challenge those young guys. I think that's what's most attractive about it to me if I'm Houston. He's going to challenge your young guys. He's going to challenge Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Alperin Sengun, Amon Thompson, Cam Whitmore, that young core. Um, he's going to make life hard for them in practice every day. And as low as I am on Dylan Brooks as a player, heck, yeah, as a person, I'm just not a fan. I do think there's value for him in Houston or in a situation that needs some grit. So that's, I think we're going to see that one fast. I think Dylan Brooks is going to get picked up fast. Um, I do think there is a market for him, even if it is in Memphis. You start to look at some of the teams that have that mid-level spot open. I don't think, I don't think Minnesota makes sense or the Lakers, but does Portland make sense? Maybe. Does Houston make sense? Yeah, I already made my case. Does Dallas make sense? Maybe. Does a team like Denver? Probably not. But I do, I do think there are some serious suitors out there, and I do think he's going to end up on a team. My fourth prediction has to do with the Lakers. I think the Lakers are going to match the max offer for Austin Reeves. Somebody is going to make the offer. It could be the Jazz. It could be the San Antonio Spurs. Or there are a number of other teams that might just want to piss off the Lakers and make them pay all that money. If you're the Lakers, though, you can't really afford to let Austin Reeves go. He played some incredibly valuable minutes for you in the playoffs. He plays really well alongside your two superstars in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. He's just a super versatile player. He defends, he passes, he playmakes, he shoots, he makes big-time buckets. He doesn't 
cower from the moment. Uh, there's there's like a little bit of a star factor in Austin Reeves almost. Call me crazy for saying that, but watching him in this last year's playoffs and watching him during the regular season as well, he does kind of do some of those star things that are attractive. The way he's able to draw fouls, uh, the way he's able to just play so smart and Hey, we saw him take over a game against Memphis. If you're the Lakers, what other option do you have? You let him walk and then you still have like no cap space. I think you got to resign him just because of how complimentary he is for LeBron, for AD, for where your team went the last season going to the Western Conference Finals after putting up a putting together kind of a last minute team at the trade deadline. I think you have a good structure to start with. And I think it includes LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. From there, you can go a couple different directions. But I think the Lakers end up paying a lot of money for Austin Reeves. Um, and his contract is set up so that such that it is similar to like the Gilbert Arenas contract a couple years back, a lot of years back, um, where it's kind of backloaded. So he'd be making like $13, $14 million in the first couple of years. And then towards the end, he could be making upwards to $40 million, which is just crazy. But that ends up being like a four-year, $100 million contract. And I think he'd om- he's almost worth it. My fifth and final free agency prediction before we move on and talk about the Utah Jazz is that the Cavs are going to steal are going to get a steal and I think they're going to get a steal in free agency and they're going to sure up their small forward spot. When you looked at the Cavs roster last year, it's kind of the same thing all year. Who's going to play the 3? They were kind of rotating between Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert, Lamar Stevens, who they re-signed recently. And they just never found an answer. They ended up playing a Coro in the playoffs and that didn't work well at all because they just lost all spacing. It made life really difficult for Darius Garland and for Donovan Mitchell. I think they're going to find somebody in free agency that is going to really help that spot. There are a couple of names that jump out. I think Bruce Brown is one. Uh, while Bruce Brown isn't necessarily known for being a shooter, it is something that he's capable of. And Even more so, what I like about Bruce Brown is just how versatile of a player he is. I I feel like that's just the best way to epitomize what Bruce Bruce Brown is, is just a versatile player. So I think there's a lot of potential there in Cleveland. I know that there are a couple other spots that Bruce Brown could end up in, including Denver. He could just return take a little bit of a pay cut, get paid in the future. Um, Another interesting name to me there would be Harrison Barnes. I think his three-point shooting, his veteran presence would be very valuable for that Cavs team. Like I've said, I I don't know if Harrison Barnes is going to be back in Sacramento. Actually, I don't know if I said that, but I'm saying that now. I don't think Harrison Barnes is going to be back in Sacramento. I think Sacramento is going to explore a different route. He just wasn't very good in the playoffs. But if you're Cleveland and you just need somebody to be a spacer, uh, somebody to add a little bit of a veteran presence on a young team, I think Harrison Barnes is a really good option. The last one I'm going to sh- throw out there, and I heard this on a podcast today, so this isn't my idea, but I think it's Grant Williams. And 
Grant Williams said that he's open to returning to the Celtics, but I think the reality of the situation is he's probably not going to return to the Celtics. He's been kind of a borderline fringe player in their rotation this year. While I do think he is a better player than that, I wonder if Cleveland is a good spot for him. He helps with a lot of their weaknesses. He is a good shooter. I mean, what was he shooting like 50% in the playoffs a couple of years ago from three? And he's he's a knockdown shooter. I think he gives you a really good spacing element. He also just gives you like a lot of toughness and grit that that Cleveland team did not have. We saw them get out-toughed against the Knicks. I think Grant Williams makes a lot of sense if you're the Cavs. Then your starting lineup looks like Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Grant Williams, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. And I don't know, that's a that's a really good lineup with a lot of versatility. He also helps on the rebounds, which would be huge for Evan Mobley and for Jared Allen, who showed that they could not rebound a basketball in the playoffs last series, last year, this past offseason, past postseason. Man, I, I just I think that's a really good pick. I think you could go any way if you're Cavs. I think they have their mid-level exception, if I'm not mistaken. And if they can get a guy like Bruce Brown or Grant Williams in there, heck, even Dylan Brooks might add something. I think they got to go for it. Coming up, we're going to be talking about the Utah Jazz, their free agency, six guys that I like for the Jazz. Jordan Clarkson, what's going to happen there? And if there are any positions that the Jazz should specifically target. Stay tuned. Okay, looking at the Utah Jazz's free agency situation, it's interesting. And Jazz fans are going to want to pay attention to this segment specifically because I'm going to dive into a couple of players that I think could be really good fits for the Jazz. Maybe some guys that haven't been talked about a lot, but could come into the Jazz and either be good cultural fits, good system fits, good players. I think there's a lot of options a lot of ways that the Jazz could go. However, the first thing that needs to be addressed is Utah's cap situation and what is going to happen with Jordan Clarkson. I personally don't have a good read on the situation. I haven't heard any smoke. I haven't heard whether or not people think Jordan's going to return. I know the Jazz want him back. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Smith made it pretty clear during the regular season that he would love to have Jordan Clarkson back on the team. Jordan Clarkson also likes it here in Utah from everything we understand. And he's got a home here. I know his little brother's always around. He's they're both in Salt Lake. It's gotta feel good. It's got it's kind of like you have some sort of family here. And so that being said, I still have no idea what's gonna happen with Jordan Clarkson. If you're the jazz, you can't go too crazy and offer him too much money. I love Jordan Clarkson. He had an incredible season last year, averaging like 20 points per game, four rebounds, four assists. Solid efficiencies by his standards. And he helped the Jazz win a lot of games. I think he's also a really great cultural fit. He's also somebody that sells tickets. That can't be underrated. He puts on an incredible product night after night for the Utah Jazz. Fans love him. There is nobody that gets the crowd going like Jordan Clarkson does. I think Donovan Mitchell had that, and I think he's kind of passed the torch to Jordan Clarkson. So I would be very surprised if the Jazz let him go. However, Jordan Clarkson 
could look around and decide that there are better options for him on the market. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's wanting to go to a situation where he can win, that he can be put in championship contention. Maybe he just wants to go to a certain place, go back to L.A. or something. I know that's kind of been talked about throughout the season. When I start to think of like realistic suitors, I mentioned this one on the last podcast, and I do think Orlando is a potential suitor, whether it comes in the form of sign or trade, sign and trade, or just he straight up signs there. I think his shooting would be very valuable for that young Orlando team. Does that put him in his winning situation immediately? No. I do think Orlando is a couple years away. Paolo's got to get better. Wagner's got to get better. So they got to figure out their guard situation. But if he decided he wanted to go there, play some good basketball, play with some budding stars, then Orlando is a really good option for him. Outside of that, though, I mean, not a lot of teams that are competitive have cap space. Maybe he goes to Indiana, but I don't see it. I feel like having him, Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin, it's kind of redundant. And I don't know that Indiana is necessarily a better situation than Utah, where he's already set up. So you kind of start to do the exercise and looking at the teams that have cap space. And I just don't know what suitors are out there for Jordan Clarkson, which leads me back to thinking that Jordan Clarkson is going to return to the Jazz. I want to look at some of the teams that have cap space right now. Um, And shout out to Bobby Marks, who's done an excellent job at putting together this list. So I mentioned... Indiana. Houston also has cap space. I don't think I don't think Clarkson fits there unless they offer him a lot of money. I just don't think him and Jalen Green. I mean, there's potential there. They got the little Filipino connection. Uh I wonder if I I'm not sure if Jalen Green is gonna play for the national team, but I'm pretty sure that Jordan Clarkson is. So maybe he just wants to go play with his Filipino brother. That's an option. But I just don't see that happening. Detroit could offer a lot of money, but can you guarantee him a sports starter position when they're trying to develop Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Asar Thompson? I don't really see that one either. Orlando Magic, I mentioned them. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, I mentioned them. I just I don't think that happens. I think OKC is probably pretty okay with their guard wing situation right now that they wouldn't want to rush in a team like or rush their process and bring in a guy like Jordan Clarkson. Uh, The Lakers, maybe. I don't really see it, but it's possible. The Kings, I think having him, Malik Monk, and Kevin Herter is extremely redundant and just doesn't make sense if you're the Kings. So then you kind of start to get to these other teams. It's like Charlotte Hornets, nah, probably not. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, no. Grizzlies, maybe. But I think that would have to come in the form of a sign-and-trade. The Timberwolves, I don't see that. The Wizards, Jordan Clarkson and Jordan Poole, two of the best shot 
chuckers in the game. Sign me up. But at the end of the day, I, I still don't see that. Then you get to the Nets, the Bulls. The Bulls could be interesting, but I still kind of don't see that, especially after they gave Vucevic $20 million a year for the next three years. The Mavericks, the Knicks, the Bucks. Yeah, you start to get to these teams that just don't have cap space. And I don't think there's a good suitor out there for Jordan Clarkson outside of the Utah Jazz. So I'm glad we ran through that exercise to examine some of those teams. Ultimately, I think it's going to come down to like Utah, Orlando, Indiana, wherever he thinks is the best situation for him. If he does want to end up on a competitor on a contending team, he could go to Memphis. He could go to the Lakers. But I just, I don't know if I see that happening when the Jazz can offer him a lot more money than either of those teams. So running under the assumption that the Jazz are going to re-sign Jordan Clarkson, that leaves them with around $7.5 million in cap space. So there are a couple players in this range. One player that I'm going to talk about isn't in this range. With him, I'm going to assume that Jordan Clarkson doesn't resign. But with the others, I am going to take the assumption that Jordan Clarkson has resigned with the Utah Jazz. He's going to be returning, and the Jazz have around $7.5 million. They can also waive Lucas Shamanich and Vernon Carey Jr. if they want to open up around another $4 million in cap space. So, six free agents that the Utah Jazz could target. The first one is Kobe White. Uh, He's been in Chicago for the last four years where he started his NBA career. This last season, he averaged 9.7 points per game. 2.9 rebounds per game, 2.8 assists per game, shot 44% from the field. The three-point shooting is good. He shot 37% from three and 87% from the free throw. Knockdown shooter, really good scorer. Uh, Chicago has been kind of a weird fit for him. He's been kind of a six-man. His first and second season there were promising. His first season, he averaged 13 points per game. 2.7 2.7 assists, three rebounds. And then his second season, he looked like he was going to kind of break out. Uh, Average 15 points per game, 4.8 assists, 4.1 rebounds. Had the ball in his hands a lot. I think that's what sticks out when you're looking at that second season. He's a career 36.7% shooter from the three. Really good shooter, like I said. that That's one of the number one things that stands out when you're watching him. I think he also plays some solid defense. He's not great, but he has the physical tools to be a good defender. When you're looking at the Jazz and kind of some of their roster needs, they do need a point guard, and I don't know if Kobe White fits that bill. He's shown flashes of being a creator, which is super intriguing, but do you trust him to be your primary creator? Because I think if you're the Jazz, you're approaching this offseason by trying to find somebody that can at least be an intermediate primary creator. Um, somebody in like the 10 to $15 million range that can play point guard and that can run your offense with Markkinen, Collins, Kessler, Akbaji. Uh, maybe that answer is found internally. Maybe it's Colin Sexton. Maybe it's Taylor Horton Tucker. This is going to be a discussion we have the entire offseason. 
until we have a good idea of who's going to be the point guard. Could it be Keontae George? Maybe. Ultimately, though, I think you're going to find your best options through the trade market or through free agency. I don't think it's going to be on the team. I think you have a lot of good secondary playmakers on the team already. Guys that can come off the bench and be good playmakers um, that can lead second units. But I don't think you have a primary playmaker on the team right now. If the Jazz do find a primary playmaker and need to bring in another scorer to come off the bench to light it up to be a really good three-point shooter, Kobe White is a good answer. Ultimately, I don't know if I see the fit. Um, Like I said, I just have concerns about the playmaking. I do think there is more there, and you have to evaluate the context of a situation where he's been playing with... I wouldn't say Levine is ball dominant, but Levine does play with the ball in his hands a bit. And DeMar DeRozan is ball dominant. You want DeMar DeRozan to have the ball in his hands. And so he's mostly been kind of a spot-up shooter or just a secondary playmaker. And I think he has more potential than that. And so if you're the Utah Jazz, that's what you're buying in on with Kobe White. You're buying in on his potential to be a secondary playmaker. The next one, and this is... this. The next couple are really interesting to me. I think they uh, fit some of the Jazz's needs better than Kobe White does. But it's Jalen McDaniels, who started the season in Charlotte, and now he he recently, most recently played for the Philadelphia 76ers. This last season, he played 80 games, averaged 9.4 points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game, 1.6 assists per game, shot 45% from the field, 33% from three, um, I'm curious about the volume on three. He shot just he sh- shot just 1.3 per game. Uh, that's not great. He shot more when he was in Charlotte. He shot 3.6 per game and was shooting 32% from three. And then once he got on Philly, got onto a contending team, he shot 40%. So that's kind of intriguing. You just had to get him the right looks. The big thing that stands out with Jalen McDaniels, who is the brother of Jaden McDaniels, I literally learned that today, and I'm kind of ashamed of myself for not knowing that before. The big thing that stands out, though, is his defense. Super, super lengthy. I mean, I mean, the guy's 6'9", and he probably comes in playing your three, your backup three, playing behind Markinen. And so all of a sudden off the bench you have, I mean, who's coming off the bench? You got... Taylor Hendricks, probably. Kelly Olenek. Jalen McDaniels. You're retaining a little bit of offense there, but you also have a lot of length and a lot of defense. I think that's super attractive. Maybe he wants to be in a situation where he can contend, but let's say the Jazz throw him the full $7 million that they can throw him. That might be the best money he gets on the market. And I think he fits fills some immediate needs for the Jazz because you look at their backup small forward situation and it's like, okay, after Laurie, you could have Ochai playing some three, but Ochai might be optimized as a two. Or you could have Shamanich playing some three. I think I think Shamanich is optimized as a four. You could have Hendricks playing some three. Maybe I just I don't I don't see it yet. I think Hendricks fits more as a backup four, backup five for this first season. And so I just think he's a really good answer at the three. 
somebody that can come in, give you some spark plug minutes. Uh, maybe this is this is kind of like a lazy comparison just because they were on the same team, but he kind of reminds me of Daniel House, somebody that come that would come in and just make some plays. And I think he kind of has that potential. And hey, maybe he plays himself into a much better position. Uh, maybe he ends up being a starting level player and he kind of pops offensively. I think Will Hardy has the ability to get the most out of his guys. But yeah, Jalen McDaniels out of Philly, super interesting guy. I I would expect the Jazz to explore at least a little bit and explore the fit, explore if there's interest on both sides. Moving on, Jazz fans are going to like this one, I hope. It's Joe Ingles. I think this one makes a lot of sense, uh, at least if you're the Jazz. He comes in, he can run your second unit and provide some really constant playmaking that the Jazz have lacked since they lost Mike Conley last season at the trade deadline. I just, I really like the idea of having Joe Ingles come play like 20 minutes a game, be a facilitator, especially for that second unit. While Joe is like, I think he's like 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, he plays like a point guard. And the way he operates, maybe not necessarily as a lead ball handler, but as a guy that can set the table, would be very valuable for the Jazz. Obviously, there's all the history. The fans would love it. Um, I do wonder if if he loved his time in Milwaukee. I know there were some comments about his family, about his family situation that led to him deleting his social media. And so I I don't know. I know he sold his house in Salt Lake. I know he's towards the twilight of his career. He's probably got one or two years left before he ends up going to play in Australia, play in the NBL, and then retire um, completely. So I wonder if he just decides, hey, I'm going to give Utah Jazz fans one last chance. I'm going to leave the NBA on my terms on the team that took a chance on me, the team that gave me a home. I don't think it's absolutely ludicrous. I think there's something you can consider there. Okay, this next one is my personal favorite. It's Trey Jones. Uh, So Trey Jones has been the point guard in San Antonio for the last couple of years. I believe just the last two years, three years, excuse me. He's been solid. His first year, he only played 37 games. Um, Wasn't great. Second year, he played 69 games, started 11 games, and there were a lot of things to like. His most recent year, though, he kind of broke out. He played 68 games, played 29 minutes per game. Uh, Part of this is that they lost to Jante Murray, and he ended up being the lead point guard, so I think you kind of do have to take some things with with a grain of salt. In his second year, he shot 46% from the field, 29% from three, which is pretty bad. He did average 13 points per game, though. And here, here's where I'm most intrigued. It's the passing. He's similar to his brother, Tyus Jones. While he might not be that same level of decision maker, that just kind of doesn't make mistakes. Um, he did average 6.6 assists this last season. So he's a restricted free agent, right? But 
there are avenues for the Jazz to obtain him. I think the first one could be a sign and trade. Let's say San Antonio wants to get crazy and they want a guy like Colin Sexton because they want to fill up some of their cap space. Could you do a sign and trade for Sexton and Trey Jones? If you're the Jazz, do you do that? I don't know. I'm just I'm talking out loud right now. Um I think there's something there though. I think Trey Jones could come in, be a really good point guard, maybe buy you some time for Keontae George to develop a little bit to gain some more skills while also helping you stay competitive. And hey, maybe he ends up just being the guy. Maybe he ends up being a really good point guard. I think he's somebody that can help optimize Larry Markinen. He can help optimize Walker Kessler. To be honest, I'm not super familiar with his game because I have a life and I didn't watch a lot of San Antonio Spurs last year. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm incredibly intrigued by the fit. I think he would be a really good starting point guard for the Jazz. If they can't get Tyus Jones, Trey Jones is a great complimentary piece. And I think they should go for one of those two. Somebody that can really set the table for this next team. Okay, this next one, similar to Joe Ingles, it's a homecoming of sorts. Malik Beasley. So he currently has a team option. I think the talk is that the Lakers are going to waive it, um, that they're not going to opt in to his team option and he's going to end up being a, a unrestricted free agent. It sounds like his, his tenure in Utah was very positive while his tenure in Los Angeles wasn't. I wonder if he just makes a lot of sense coming back to Utah being that guy that he was last year, that guy that shimmies after he makes a big three towards the end of the game. I personally would love it. I, he's he's familiar with the situation. He's familiar playing with Larry Markkinen, Walker Kessler. Uh, I think there would be some adjustments just because the roster had shaked up since he was last here. He's probably a good cultural fit. Um, he was bought into the system when he was playing here. He was playing hard. He was playing in a situation where his spot in the lineup wasn't necessarily the same on a night-to-night basis. Some nights he was closing games, some nights he wasn't. I think if you're Malik Beasley, it just makes a lot of sense uh, to try and come back to Utah. If you're the Jazz, does it make sense? I don't know. That's where that's where it gets interesting. Okay, this, is, this last one, I've saved this for the very end. I'm going to give everybody just a second to get ready, guess guess who I'm going to talk about. Hint, he's kind of a crazy one. And I'm operating under the assumption that Jordan Clarkson doesn't resign with the Jazz. How would the Utah Jazz feel about Kyrie Irving coming here and being your starting point guard? I've talked a lot on the last two podcasts about the Jazz desperately needing a point guard. Does Kyrie Irving make sense? It sounds like him and Danny Ainge are on good terms, even though things in Boston weren't left great. Um, He's such an eccentric guy that I could almost see him coming to Utah just to spice things up. He has made it clear that he's open to meeting other teams besides the Dallas Mavericks. 
though that is where I ultimately expect him to end up. But if you're Utah and Kyrie says he'll come here for like $25 million and you've got that, do you just say yes? Do you go and be competitive next year, be really competitive, go win a lot of games, get to the playoffs, put yourself in a good situation? I think you think about it at the very least. Last year, he, he had a good year. I mean, he only played 60 games because, let's face it, there's some off-the-court stuff. But he averaged 27.1 points per game, 5.1 rebounds per game, 5.5 assists per game, shot 50% from the field, 37% from three, 90% from free throw. He's an insanely skilled guy. And I do think it would be the best free agent signing that Utah has ever gotten as far as just a star coming and staying, wanting to be in Utah. That could do wonders for things because for things in Utah. By all accounts, Kyrie is a pretty good teammate, and his teammates like him. Imagine that just kind of spreads, and people are like, oh, well, if Kyrie went to Utah, then maybe it's not as bad as the narrative has been. I don't know. Something to consider. Maybe this is a gloomy note to end the podcast on if we're talking about Kyrie Irving being the best possible option for the Utah Jazz in free agency. But here we are. I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the Switch Lake City podcast. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Jazz Lead, where I've been posting daily content. I'll keep you updated on all things free agency, all things trades, um, as well as a lot of summer league coverage next week. Get ready. I will be going to one of those games. I'm excited. Uh, stay tuned for more podcasts this next week, talking about the Utah Jazz Summer League, some first impressions, talking about those rookies, and also talking about free agency. I appreciate you listening and have a good one.